my god. Welcome. Welcome to the Nick Lake Show, everybody. Man, I'm excited. How excited are you? It's Monday morning. Everything's going smooth and fine. Maybe you're gliding through traffic, or maybe you're stuck behind an asshole with loud exhaust pipes just spraying those fumes on you. Fuck that guy. Or girl, or whoever. Old man. It could be a, who knows? It could be a dog driving that car. Or you're on the train. I don't know where you are. I'm in my parents' apartment on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. One of the sleepiest neighborhoods on earth, actually. Uh, but it's kind of nice to call home. Um, man, it has been a week. And my back hurts. My back hurts. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's just those times where you go out there and play. I should have gotten a glass of water before. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up the podcast gear. I'm going to go get a glass of water. Because you know what? Life is short, and you got to drink that water. Um, I'm unprepared. That's the sink. This is New York City tap water at its finest, folks. Apparently, they said that uh, you go, whoop, you get. Uh, they they compared New York City tap water to all the bottled water in the world, and it was like better. Who knows? That's that's one of those. Uh, what do they call it? Anecdotal. <laughs> I'm kind of anecdotal. I don't have a lot of actual evidence for anything I talk about. But it's all about the experience, and I like the way the tap water tastes, so fuck it. Mm-hmm. All right, I just chugged a glass, it's a pint glass. I was told you're not supposed to chug water also. And you know what? I still do it very often because I'm kind of like lazy, and I just don't want to – I'm not a sipper. I'm a chugger. That probably defines my life. I just chug the glass of life. Chug it down. Uh, it's I don't know why. I just took my socks off finally. Played a little golf uh, today. Played a little golf the last couple days, y'all. I'm excited. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, mostly just to be here with uh, Snowball. Snowball? Wait, we determined this weekend that Snowball has a German accent. And uh, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on really getting through what he says to you. But where is he? I don't know where he is. Snowball. Oh, there he is. Snowball's beat. Uh, he played 14 holes today at Ferry Point. And I guess we'll just work our way backwards. And I'm going to end with National National Golf Links, everybody. CB McDonald, 1911. Kind of my new favorite course. It's a pretty great course. Am I recording? I've been recording. This is a success. I got one bar of batteries on the regatta. That means that, I don't know, who knows how long the batteries go. I think it's all about the desire. How much desire does that little battery have to keep going? Um, Ferry Point. All right, let's talk. So Ferry Point, right? I played with Ashley and Jeff today and the head pro, Colin. All of, I can't remember how old he is. It's young, though. I want to say 30, maybe. He he was the uh, caddy master over at Beth Page. And he came over to Ferry Point, and now he's the head pro there. And, um, you know, what's funny is a few years ago, the first time I ever texted Ashley K. Mayo was when she was playing Ferry Point, and I was on Instagram, and I said, what the fuck? Because it's not hard to guess that I'm not a huge Trump guy. But whatever, I don't get political on the show because it's all about what? That's right finding commonalities between each other and you know what politics do they divide us so we're trying 
to figure that out. And anyway, so I said, Ashley, what the fuck? Why are you playing a course owned by, you know, a guy? And she said, you know, whatever, dude, it's golf. It's close to the city. Like, I can't, you know what I mean? And, and what's funny is, as time goes on for me, I'm not an activist. I'm not a boycotter. I'm not of this. Well, no, I am a boycotter, actually. I boycott Lassen's in L.A. because they're a fucking anti-gay. And everybody knows that that's not right. But that said, there's not a ton of great golf right outside Manhattan. That said, Terry Point's pretty expensive, um, which in some ways, if you go out there and play Twilight, you end up with a pretty, pretty uncrowded round. And we played pretty quick. Um, saw a few friends uh, from around the way that were excited to see Snowball and talk a little bit about vice golf and adventures in golf and just sort of get involved in that. And that was really cool. I always love that shit. I think, you know, for me, it's like one of these things where I, I just love my job. I love, I love it all. So if someone's like, yo, that's cool. I'm like, that's cool too, man. And so that was really nice. And there were some good people there and it was raining and Snowball was with us and they were like, bring the dog on out. Let's let Let's let the dogs out. Snowball's so tired, dude. He's like face down in the toilet. What's going on, buddy? He's not even, he just stretched a little bit. Um, But yeah, they let the dog out. They let Snowball run around the golf course, very similar to the way it is, you guessed it, in Scotland. And, you know, it's a great course. There's great views. It's really pretty. Um, You know, I mean... It's, it's one of these things where it's like, I doubt it's anybody's favorite golf course on planet Earth, but it's 12 minutes from Manhattan. And if it was private and it had a different name and uh, I, just, I just farted. <laughs> uh, I tried to hide it too. I tried not to let it out. You know when that happens and you're like, this is going to be silent. No one's going to hear this. And all of a sudden, <laughs> hey, you know what? No one's in the room with me except this dog. And that, by the way, he has a great sense of smell, but he did rub his face and his body in shit before getting in the car from um, uh, out in Long Island. He, he rubbed his body and his face in deer shit, and I didn't notice until we got in the car. And we get into Jeff's uh, sedan, and I get in the car, and I'm like, whoa, it smells like shit in here. <laughs> and I thought I had stepped on some shit, and even though I had thought I did a good job of not stepping on shit in the lawn... Uh, I didn't have any shit on my feet, but it smelled like it. And then I went to Snowball and I was like, and he smelled, he smelled like incredible. He smelled like some of the worst shit I've ever smelled in my life. Like there's shit and then there's real shit. And he had really done a good job of finding the real shit and then just rubbing it all over his face, his neck, a little bit on his chest and his abdomen. So we had to do a quick bath, which, which he hates. And um, then we got in the car and drove to Ferry Point, shitless, but excited as shit. We were, we, and we stopped off at Goldberg's and got some bagels. If you're a, if you're a Hamptonite, if you're a Hamptonian, if you're, if you're the one who supports the arts of the Hamptons, um, which has some great golf, which we'll get into in a minute. But anyway, Ferry Point. So we go there, whatever. I mean, I think I said it all. The place is, the place is a fucking, you know, it's a spot. They've got a great practice area, which I didn't hit. So I was just scrambling up and down. I was actually making really good bogeys. You know those days where you're just like, I can't believe I made bogey from where I was. 
Um, the first hole I missed like a, I missed like a six footer for boat for boat for par. Uh, second hole, um, I can't remember. I got on the tee and I pulled out my three wood on the first hole and I looked at it and I was like, wait a minute, this is a tailor made three wood and I play a Callaway three wood. Seems that the caddy at the last round I played at National, uh, the caddy left it uh, in someone else's bag and supplied me with someone else's three wood. Mr. Coleman Church, you're a legend, sir. You might be in the car. You might be in the car right now driving to fucking switch up the clubs. That's legendary. You know why? Because you get up early as fuck. And I like I like people that get up early. You know why? Because it means that they know how little time there is, right? What's sleeping in? I mean, I do sleep in every once in a while, but I really love waking up early. I love going to bed and just thinking about that cup of hot coffee. Um, so, um, so yeah, fairy point, you know? It's golf at the end of the day, and, you know, I always try to play a course and imagine that it's uh, not old or that it's not designed by a certain person or that it's or that it's not anything. I, I try to just go there and just say, remove all of the story from this place. Remove everything. Re- remove every conceptual element from this place and just interact with the air and the grass and you and take everything away. And, and, and it's hard to do actually. And, 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 you know, what's, what's, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, it's something I try to do. And I think it's interesting when you look at the first round I played in New York this week was at Sleepy Hollow. And obviously that's another sleepy McDonald. Guys, get into Sleepy McDonald. Just listen to the fucking Jim Urbina podcast if you haven't yet. Listen, I actually, I actually should listen to it because when I'm in the podcast, I'm actually just a headless horseman. Hey, yo, Sleepy Hollow callback. There you go. This is going to be a great podcast. We've already been going 10 minutes. Jeez. Feels feels like nine. Uh, <laughs> so so anyway, uh, I, when I was at Sleepy Hollow, I was like trying not to uh, pretend that I knew that it was 1911 or that it was Steve McDonald. And it was funny because I was like, if this course was five years old, everyone would be like wonky, weird, not not okay. You know, I like, 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 I think that they wouldn't, I think they would recognize the greatness of some of it, but I think also they would probably knock a lot of it, maybe, maybe 16. I'm just guessing, but because it's old, we give it a ton of respect and I'm not saying it's a bad course. I'm saying Sleepy Hollow was an incredible experience and I already, if you see my Instagram, I didn't really get blown away by 16. 15 was the magical hole for me. And I don't know who else feels that way. It seems like a couple couple of y'all did. A couple of y'all failed, mate. We we on the same wavelength. Um, and let's go back. Let's go back in time. So we're out in the Hamptons because Mike and Megan are gracious hosts in, in, uh, over, in, uh, over in the Hamptons day. They, uh, Megan, obviously... If you've uh, if you're a woman or if you know a woman that plays golf, check out Foray Golf because not only do they make great clothes, but they're great people. And obviously, companies and brands are all made up of people. That's a fact. There are no robots that currently own companies that I know of, unless well, actually, this is quite possible. Elon Musk could be a robot. If anyone's going to be it, it's going to be him. So, um, you know, we, I, we, I drive out, oh, no, well, I don't know. Yeah. So I drive out Friday. Well, no. Okay. You know what? 
Actually, I've got a fucking story. Here's, this pissed me off more than anything else. I get in on Tuesday to New Jack City with my little tiny dog who's making everyone on earth happy. And we get off the plane and he's terrified because, I mean, he doesn't love quote unquote flying, but he does it, you know, for me. And he also doesn't have a choice, so he <laughs> and he doesn't want to starve, right? So he just hangs out with me because I continually feed him and I love him, right? Right, always, always love that dog, even when he's being a little shit or a big shit. He's sometimes a big shit, or when he rolls into shit. I mean, all the time he gets love, um, with you know, but it's love with um, with uh, with some with some uh, whatever, some some discipline there. You know, he gets discipline, which I think he loves and he needs. I like discipline, not what you're thinking. Um, I personal discipline. Um, so any fuck, I am on one right now. I, I had a soda at dinner, which is which is what it is. Obviously, that's what it is. Um, so we go and we get off the plane, and it's thundering and lightning. Snowball doesn't experience thunder and lightning because we're in Los Angeles, and it's just you know heaven on earth. It's just all we have is well, it's actually hell because there's fires and earthquakes, but different kind of drama and so it's so it's crazy weather and he's not into it and we get in the cab to go i got to go down to world trade center to meet with the folks over at a magazine that does golf stuff that i'm sure you follow on instagram and it's called uh, golf digest probably already got that but i was really excited to talk to them about uh you know golf and digest and the way that they intersect the Digest of Golf. Remember Reader's Digest? Remember how that magazine was so small? Um, do they still make that magazine anymore? Reader's Digest. We used to read that in school, and I would always be like, this magazine is too small to be interesting. And I hated it. But that's just me judging stuff, you know? And to go back to Fairy Point, like, why am I judging? There's still words in it. It's still a magazine, and it deserves it deserves something. So uh, we go uh, get off the plane, and we take a cab into the city, and we get off at World Trade Center. And I asked the cab driver, yo, can you take my suitcases to my apartment? Just drop them off. And there's a guy there, and he'll take them. And I really appreciate it. I gave him some extra cash because it was surging, and it was now in Manhattan, and he was doing me a favor. So he takes the bags up. Me and Snowball get out of the whip like Ethan Hunt in the rain. I step in a massive puddle like Mr. Bean, and I got water all over my feet, and I'm like, these are brand-new Ultra Boosts. What the fuck? I, my feet are soaking wet. And then we get, we run in the torrential downpour to the entrance of World Trade Center. I walk inside. Snowball's shaking out the rain from his fur, his hypoallergenic fur. And the guy comes up and says, um, really pissed at me. And he says, no dogs. And I was like, oh, it's okay. He's a service animal. And he's been in here before. And he was like, what service does the dog perform? And I was like, oh, this guy's an asshole. Uh, only assholes ask me that fucking question. The service he performs is he makes the world a better place, asshole. No one hates dogs. And if you do, down with you. He wouldn't let me in the building. Tried to call security on me. I couldn't get anyone on the phone. Fucking asshole. It, you know what? And if you know this guy, if you're working in that building and you know this guy, squint at him next time. And let him know that he's on the wrong side. But, you know, who knows? Maybe he's on the right side. I don't know. Maybe they got a tip that Snowball's like, you know, a very dangerous. <laughs> That's hilarious. Snowball is the least dangerous of anything on earth. Um, he's just scared. So he wouldn't let me in, and I was pissed. And I was kind of like, oh, man, I shouldn't. I should have just left him at home. But 
it ended with yesterday, you know, bringing him out to Fairy Point and just making it all up, making it all worth it. You know, I bring him around because he, like, he he's like, why, why do we have dogs? I don't know. Why do I have you, Snowball? He's out cold, man. He is just like, he might even be dead. That would be ironic if we're talking all about him and he's just over there blue and cold. He's not dead. I saw his feet twitch. He's having a dream about Fairy Point. He's having a dream that I made a birdie, which is only a dream, sadly. I kind of was, um, I think I made a birdie yesterday, but I was kind of, I kind of got shut out by a lot of the golf. I think I made, did I make, I made a birdie at Maystone, made a birdie at Friars. Yeah, almost had a hole in one at Friars. That was nuts. I was only like six inches. Um, and uh, anyway, I got shut down with a dog. So that, that stung, that burned. Um, and then huh, I made my font bigger on my phone cause I can't read. I can't, I cannot read. I still need the glasses, but it just makes it look less like I can't read. So now I don't have to squint completely. Um, and so then, uh, uh I'm in the city for a couple of days working, bullshit working, go to the Bonobo store, see my big ugly mug with all the hair on top. Apparently they call hair lettuce out East. I didn't know that. I was about to play one round, and the some uh, Scottish uh, caddy master came up to me, and he said, "What? I can't do a Scottish accent, but he said, what are you going to do with all that lettuce? You're going to be hot with all that lettuce on your head. And I was like, uh, I don't have any lettuce on my head. And he was like, no, your hair. And I was like, oh, well, then I'm just going to exist the way I normally do, and I'll be the temperature that I normally am because it's all relative he didn't, he didn't really think, I don't know, he, we weren't really joking at that point. Friar's Head, not my spot, really. Kind of found everybody at Friar's Head to sort of look at me like, why was I there? And I was kind of like, what, I'm here to play golf and enjoy the scenery. Is that, is that okay? Had a weird experience at Friar's Head. The caddy turned on me. I got, I played, uh, we were playing some crazy involved betting game, which I decided I'm never going to do anymore. Like, I'm not betting for a lot of money because golf is just too cool already. Like, I don't really need to bet a lot. And what's funny is the next day we went out at National with the legend known as Mr. Coleman F. Church. And he goes, he goes, let's bet. And I was like, I can't. And he goes, what is it, against your religion? And I laughed. And I said, no, I just, like, I, I, I gambled yesterday, and it made me not have fun because I was only playing to play well. And I'm like, I'm not in Q school, pal. I'm just trying to, like, enjoy a piece of earth, you know? I'm trying to enjoy a golf swing. I'm trying to enjoy some other human beings. And I'm trying to enjoy a walk around my planet, you know? And instead, you got me fucking literally, like, psycho for, like, 80 bucks or something like it's not even a lot of, it's not even like a tremendous amount like I'm never going to notice that I lost 80 bucks but I am going to notice that my round got completely flipped upside down because I'm caring about some little bit of money that doesn't really matter and in the spirit of generosity I would have just thrown him 100 bucks and just said have fun you won you know what I mean on the first hole but you know like it was so funny because uh you know, we played a few holes and the caddy was really nice. And then we were talking about adventures in golf. And I don't know, I can't remember if he'd seen it or whatever, but like we were just shooting the shit, you know? And like I was like, you know, playing well. I was striping. I was striping. Um, and I almost had a hole in one. And we were filming it with uh, my Sony camera. So we were like all really pumped about it. And then 
uh, what the fuck? He like, and then I, I hit a ball and you can double your bet after your tee shot. So I hit a ball. It was a bomb. And I looked at him and I said, am I in the fairway? And he said, yeah. And I said, double the bet, kids. Eat that, suckers. I get to my ball. It's a 10 feet off the fairway sitting in a nasty clump. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, if my ball's not in the fairway and you can't see it, say you don't know. And he didn't take that well. And he basically turned into a bitch for the last, like, whatever holes uh, to the point where he, like, wasn't giving me numbers. So this is the question where if you come at, you're like, if you're like, listen to this and you're like, what's it like to play with a caddy? It is deeply polarized based on who they are. If they're like a rad dude, like Drizzy, the guy we had at National, you're like, I love caddies. They're so nice. They're so supportive. They're funny. They're entertaining. They have stories. They care about me. But if you have the guy I had at Friars, you're like, caddies actually make me kind of feel like a little bag of shit and uh, kind of like ruin my experience a little bit. And then funny, because I was like, at Wilshire, if we had had a caddy like that, I would have been like, yo, are you kidding me, dude? Like, this is like my guests, and you're treating them like this? Get a fuck out of here. Go get another jab. Go loop somewhere else, pal. We're not assholes, all right? And I kind of got that. And I was like, I tried to be cool, but I'm a human. And it kind of it kind of pissed me off, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, I think that's a lot of what you get over there. And I don't know. If I never go back, I'll probably won't even notice. But, you know, I'm just being honest. I'm kicking it to you real here. Don't, uh, you know, don't fucking, uh, don't idolize anything, right? Except for your idols. No, I'm kidding. What I'm saying is, don't feel bad if you don't go play there. Like, you should go play someplace that moves you. And if that's the place that moves you, then you should go play there. If you've got your crew and, you you know, one caddy spoils a bunch, sadly. If you've got your guy and you're loving this place, like, don't listen to me. I'm just telling you what happened to me. I'm not a golf course reviewer. I only go to a place once. I don't know. I can't. I can, I'm just telling you what happened. I'm not saying don't go there because it is a beautiful piece of property. I like the front nine better than back nine, which nobody seems to understand. But the back nine is like individualized holes that are like kind of surrounded, surrounded with trees. I feel like I don't know where I am. I feel like I'm playing a Fazio course in Georgia. I don't know. The front nine, I feel like I'm in Long Island and I can see this like wonderful course opening up in front of me. It feels like Shinnecock. I think Shinnecock looks like because I never played it. In my head, you know, or like whatever, I'm watching it on TV. Um, and so anyway, me and my man, Will Ryan, we bail out of Friars and we head straight over to Bridgehampton. Turns out we're staying like four minutes away from each other. And uh, I got to take a break. Hang on. I'll be right back. All right. Look, I, I, I took a break and the battery died on the recorder. And I, I just to make sure that I had actually been recording for that 20 minutes of what I thought was gold. I listened back to some of it and I sound like, I mean, I don't, I, I, I think I need you to tell me, did I sound, it sounds like I don't make any sense, but maybe I'm just in that place where I don't even understand. Hang on one sec. Anyway, so whatever, dude, we're in New York. Everything's rad. Obviously do, do my work stuff in Manhattan, get some, get some good meetings done. Hey, the meetings went great and there's a lot of great shit coming down the pike. Now, it's this shit theme is just really killing me here. There's a lot of great stuff, a.k.a. content, hashtag, favorite word. Just kidding. I don't like that word. Um, but anyway, we go uh, we go and um, play Friars with Will on Friday. You, I already talked about that. You, the thing about golf and golf courses is a lot like life in the sense that, you know, the way I go to restaurants is, like, 
I don't only like to go to the same restaurant twice. In L.A., I like to go to the same restaurants because I'm just home. And that's the funny thing about – that's why I think why I love traveling is because when you travel, you're like, I got to get. Traveling is kind of like a miniature life, right? You you go and you're like, I'm only here for so long. I want to try as much as possible. I want to experience as much as possible. I want to sleep as little as possible. I want to be out. I want to I want to I want to meet people and not be like self conscious, right? Like I want to go out there and just live it, fucking full, right? I want to have every I want to have every part of this full. Like I want to fill up the scorecard. I don't care, right? I just I just want to do all of it. And so it's funny because that's really traveling. But then when I'm home, I'm home and I'm just like. Oh, like routine, like I do this, I do this, I do this. Uh, you know, actually, I just heard on the news today it's better to eat breakfast before you work out. Revelation, because I like to eat breakfast after I work out. Now, I feel like I'm pretty healthy, so I don't know. I feel like I'm on a good one, but maybe this is for other people. But I'm going to try eating breakfast now before I work out. So that means you got to get up even earlier. Well, maybe not, because you're still doing the same things. You're just switching the orders. So you're just going to home from the gym a little later. <clears throat> so. Uh, you know, but, but the thing is like, you know, you go to, when I go to a restaurant, I'll like ask the waiter, like what's, you know, what's unusual or what's, or what's the most popular or whatever. Like, and even if he says the most popular thing has a bunch of ingredients I don't like, I'll probably still order it. Or even if it's like one time I had garlic ice cream because the waiter was like, try it. It's, you got to try. And I tried it and it was disgusting. Like, just like you would think it was totally gross, but I tried it. Right. And now here we're talking about it. So it was valuable. But that's just like what I do. Like, I don't know. I like I I'm so so that's a great example of like Friar's Head. Like you just you got to go try it. I think I mean, you just got to go. And and I mean, hey, in some on some level, that mindset is what got me into golf in the first place. I, if I hadn't have, quote, tried it, I wouldn't be here today. What would you be listening? You'd be listening to fucking uh, Bill uh, Bill Burr. Great podcast. Right. You, you might even be laughing. You might even be having a better life if <laughs> I don't know. I think we try to do something good for the game of golf and those people that support it and devote their lives to it. Um, and, uh, you know, I already know that my parents love the show, so fuck it. We're going to keep going. Holla, mom and dad, where are you guys? I'm in your apartment and the cookie door. I can't get in the closet, guys. I need you to text me and tell me how to open the fucking door to the closet because it's it's locked for all intents and purposes. I'm about to call. I'm about to give Snowball a helmet and just tell him to f- go at it. F- drill your way through. I don't know what you got to do. Um, so anyway, you know, you go out and you got to play courses. You got to you got to play them all. You you got to do it all, and you got to pretend like it's finite. You can't pretend like you're going to go back when you're traveling and you see a photo. You're never going to go back and see it the same way. So whip out that phone, whip out that camera, whip out your pen and pencil, or your watercolor block, and paint it there. You got to do everything right now. A guy told me you should never read an email twice. You got to read it once and respond immediately. And that's why I have read receipts on my text messages because I want to read the message and respond immediately. I don't want to read it and think about it and then forget or do whatever. You know, it's just a waste of time. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm definitely on one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hope I'm not confusing your Monday. I hope that you still have a good day despite the rambles of um, the Eric Lang Show. Should I change the name to the Eric Anders Lang Show? I thought about that this weekend. Didn't come up with a solution, so I didn't change anything. Uh, so we play Friars Head. Obviously, I've already told you the story. We gambled the whole the whole Michigas with the uh, we, you know. And uh, Saturday morning, wake up for what I would consider one of the best days of my life. Um, get to Maidstone, play with my friend Jimmy. Jimmy, you're a legend. I know you're listening. You're, you're Jimmy has a little podcast gig. He's a little 
little podcast company. I talked to him. Uh, we met a year ago on Labor Day weekend. That was the weekend that uh, Ashley and I had bagels together with Jeff. And they had just gotten engaged the week before. And it was cool to be out in the Hamptons last month and see them the week after they got married. I love following love stories like that. It's kind of like uh, Netflix, you know, but it's uh, real life. And, you know, you can't just download it. You got to actually go there. So uh, Jimmy and I played Maidstone. We get out there at 8, and I was going to Uber there, but Megan says, uh, you can borrow my car. And uh, I know that they have a couple cars, and one of them is a McLaren, and the other one is a Porsche 4S uh, Carrera, obviously, in white with black rims, which is pretty sick. She says, no, the Porsche. So I was like, all right. So I fucking back that shit out, drop it into super sport mode. That's an option, actually, on the on the little dashboard there. There's a button that says sport, and then there's a button below it that says super sport. So what do you think old Eric does? He drops it in super sport, and I found out um, that that actually means that the traction control's off. <laughs> and you you can you can throw the ass out on that bitch. And, you know, hey, the, the roads in the Hamptons, they're, the speed limit's 35. Um, you know, and the truth is I don't have a driver's license because the DMV in LA fucked it up and I'm waiting for it to come back. And, you know, I'm legal to drive, I believe, but, uh, the license is what I do not have on me. I carry a passport, which does not allow me to drive, but, um, you know, and I thought about that while I was going, you know, fast, but I also thought, Hey, you know, I got to get to the course cause I'm early anyway. And that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. So you're probably thinking, what's up? Get to the course at 8, and then we say we can't tee off until 9.30. Okay, well, so we just hit balls. And, you know, sometimes when you hit a lot of balls before you play golf, you actually play shitty. And um, I wouldn't say that happened. I actually played pretty well. I was keeping it. I was keeping the ball together. And then, you know, I made a few. I think I came in at 7 over on the front, 6 over on the back. So not like a lightning round, but played some good golf. Love the place, right? Maidstone is a great example of one of these old courses that keeps it real, right? It's about the golf. I mean, obviously, they've got an incredible clubhouse, and they've got an incredible beach house, and they've got, you know, a lunch that's to be reckoned with on the water. You're staring at London. Uh, so I don't know how many miles away it is, but it's, it's a, obviously London's a bit of a swim, so you're not really seeing any land, but you're just looking out at an abyss. And it was a cloudy morning. It felt like Scotland. And Jimmy and I went out there, the Tucson with no caddy, and I was relieved because, like I said, Friars had fucked me. And I was like, please, no caddies. I just want to roll with you, man. I just want to play with you, dude. And, you know, I can rake the bunker. I can fix a ball mark, and I can select a golf club. The caddy thing isn't even so much about playing. It's, it's more about existing together. And I think that's one of the misses about it. You know, it's like you can't, it's like, it's kind of like uh, dating. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a first date. Like, you want to you wanna do it with someone that you enjoy. Um, but there's no way of screening that. <laughs> there's no way of being like, yeah, how do you know? Anyway, Jimmy and I had a great round. We talked about all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I think... I think the great part of that was it was just a return, you know, because I had played there a year ago, and I remember it was one of these amazing, it was the first person who ever had messaged me on Instagram and said, if you want to come out to the, if you're going to be in Long Island, let me know. And it turned out to be uh, a great weekend for me to come out. My friend Hillary was out there, one of my oldest best friends who doesn't golf. Um, there's like pre-golf and post-golf for Eric, you know. 
So I go out and hang with Hillary, just have a great weekend with her, catch up with a lot of old friends. And then obviously Maidstone was one of the first big private courses I've ever played, really. It was one of the first like really like um, significant golden age, like rad tracks, right? That That's like, that's like got the logo of it. You know, it's like, that's like, that's like logo bingo status right there for Maidstone. I love that little logo with the whale just chilling out there. 1891, I want to say, can it be? Can it be that old? How is it even possible? Um, so we, so you know, and then and then we get out of there and I uh, go home, take a shower, feed the doggo, and I get in the car to play what I'm pretty sure is going to be an amazing round, but I don't really know. I mean, I, Jim Rabina talked up National Golf Links of America. I didn't know what to expect. I was told by a lot of people it was pretty stuffy, and I was like, oh no, I hope it's not another you know Friars Head experience. I hope they're not like beating me down with the fucking making me feel like uh making me feel like i'm like coming in asking for food or something like you know for free like i don't know like or i'm like begging or something you know or like or like i'm an unwanted guest guest what is the etymology of guest anyway let me let me look that up i feel like that's probably going to be pretty interesting etymology of guest let this has got to come up right now etymology guest it's got to be something interesting hopefully it is um uh stranger <laughs> enemy oh my god that's amazing middle english <laughs> middle english from old norse gester of germanic origin related to dutch and german gast from the indo-european root shared with by latin hostis which means enemy or stranger huh fascinating okay well i was treated like a guest i was treated like a strange enemy at uh, some courses so i guess yeah okay Oh, that's fucked. I was not expecting that. I feel like I can still win this argument. No, I'm kidding. Um, so we get to national. I'm expecting, I don't know what I'm expecting. I'm expecting a great golf course with like sort of like that rude vibe. I get there and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to drop a ton of kindness on this place. And I'm just going to be happy. And I'm just going to be excited. And I'm just going to see through anything. No one is going to bring me down. You know what? I got a great song. Now I'm not going to play a song. You know that song, Nothing's Gonna Bring Me Down. I'm going to hold it down. Oh, no. I got to keep on moving. Right? I was like I was like singing that in my head. And, um, you know, whatever. I get up there. I hook up with Tyler. Tyler, you're a fucking legend. Tyler works there. He lives on the property. He gets to play. And he's just got good vibes. He's a great photographer. So Tyler messaged me. He said, let's play National. This was months ago. Same with Coleman's. Let's play. And I was like, great, man. I'll be out there. Like, there was a party on Saturday night that Megan and Mike and Michelle and all these other people were going to, Ashley and Jeff. And so I was already maybe going to come back out. It was actually the whole trip originated from this crazy thing where I was flying home from Sweden and a one-way ticket was actually more expensive than a round-trip ticket. So I went over on the internets there and I bought a round-trip ticket from Sweden on June 2nd to LA, July 2nd, to LA. And then... I had a return flight to Sweden. I conveniently booked it through New York on August 15th. And basically, I was planning on getting off the plane in New York and then going and being like, I can't go to Sweden. And then they would be like, okay, no problem. But instead, I called United and I was like, I'll look to be up front with you. I can't go to Sweden. And they were like, all right, fine. Go to New York when you want to come back. Anyway, the whole thing was amazing. The trip originated because of all that. And I booked all these like you know meetings. Oh, Ashley and I are going to do this event on Wednesday. Are you coming? Are you in New York right now listening to this podcast on the subway? Are you on the ACE? Are you the one, two, three? The BDFQ? 
You're probably not on the shuttle because that's a very short ride. But anyway, if you're in New York, let's hit this show on Wednesday. It's going to be legit. 6 p.m., True Spec Store, 42nd Street. And I want to say Fifth Avenue, but it could be Madison. Just Google it, and we'll be there at 6. And we're going to bring the mics. We're going to bring some speakers and bring your questions because we are going to do a little Q&A. And there will be, like, food and drink. And there will also be, I think, a, uh, a long drive contest and a closer to the pin or something. Um, and we'll just be chilling. So that's going to be fun. I'm going to, I'm going to bring snowball, even though he doesn't like crowds, but you know, I don't know. He's going to, he, you know, I know you want to pet him. He's my dog and ultimately the chicks love him. So, you know, that's a big part of my life. Um, kidding. Not entirely. I mean, mostly, mostly kidding. Um, you know, when those jokes, right? So anyway, so (laughs) where were we? We were driving up to national and I was saying that song in my head. Nothing's going to, nothing's going to slow me down. And um, I meet up with I meet up with Tyler on the first tee, and he's in a great mood. He's holding a driving iron, so I know he's a player. And uh, Mr. Coleman comes out, and he's in a great mood, and so is Billy, the starter, Jack, the fourteen-year-old caddy who's like eighty pounds, holding some dumbbells, and Driz. Driz is the caddy of all caddies, even though he's the guy that slipped up with the three woods. It happens. We're all human. Uh, Coleman and I have the same shafts. What can I say? solid strikers of the golf ball we were and we rolled out on this journey right and no sooner after we hit our first tee shots did the bell ring lightning in the area we were pushed off the course after our first shot so I was even par going into the clubhouse and (laughs) and I had a lobster roll and we sat in the bird cage and the bird cage is a square structure that sits sort of uh on an angle to the building, and it's covered in a screen porch because bugs, no one likes them. Maybe some people actually do like bugs. I would not I would not know even what to ask those people. I guess why? What do you get out of it? Um, so anyway, we, we chill, we take a break, the horn blows again, we're good to go. As we get back, I thin my little wedge over the first green. I'm on the tee box of, of two. I hit an amazing little flop shot. And I make a par. And I'm like, I love this course. <laughs> you know, like, I just felt good. Like, my swing felt tight. I had all morning to play and kind of feel where my swing was at. I was hitting some really good balls, you know? And I think the thing about National to really dial it all in is, like, people ask me what my favorite course is. And I'm sure if, if you read my Instagram post, it's kind of redundant. But a lot of people ask me, what's your favorite course? And the truth is, I don't, I don't have an answer. I never have had an answer because... There's so much that goes into a favorite course, you know. It's not going to be your home course because that's just, that's kind of a stupid answer because that's already got a place in your heart. That's already got a place on the wall. We needed another competition. Favorite course, what does that mean? To me, that means every little tiny detail about the place you co-sign, you stand behind, you agree with every little thing. And for me, for a long time, that was Beth Page. But recently, Beth Page started to do me upside down because it's so hard. And, um, you know, that's that's it. That's actually it. I don't know why else. But I think also Beth Page was like, I kind of, I played there a bunch. I played there like a dozen times. And that's not obviously a lot, but it's it's enough, you know, that I had had my fill of, of Beth Page. So I was kind of looking for a new spot because everybody wanted to know, what's your favorite course? And I would say, I don't know. It's not Augusta? No, not Augusta. No, not Augusta. You know why? Because I don't know if I agree with Augusta's politics. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 
I mean, if you go over to the fried egg, Andy hates Augusta. Like, like I was in there in the media tent, in the media building, and the photos of Augusta, when it was designed by McKenzie and Jones, like, that place looked a, a hell of a lot different than it does now. It just didn't look as prim and pampered and proper and manicured. Like, when it was built, it looked really raw. And so, not that that's a reason to not like a course, but it's obviously a lot. It's like, there's, like, a ton of reasons, like, I respect Augusta and I admire it and I think it's tremendously important for golf and I love the masters and I love I love the umbrellas. I love the grass. I love that thing that used to be the driving range in between like nine and ten and three. Like I love that little area. Like I love the pimento cheese sandwiches. I don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on it. I'm not hating on any of it. I bought more merch in the Augusta Clubhouse than I've ever bought cumulatively almost maybe I have no idea in my entire life so don't like don't it's not that it's just that that's not my favorite course like it's not my favorite place for a lot of people it is and that's great that's important we all have to have that um you know it's not I played Cypress it's not that Cypress is cool uh as a whole though I mean Cypress is like 15 holes inland three holes out on the water I mean that's not it did you know by the way National, I think, has 18s on the water, but we didn't even finish, so I don't even know. I give a lot of extra credit to a course that can be inland and that can still magic. <laughs> that's not a word. That's, that's not a correct sentence I just said. It That can still create an experience above the norm. You know, because it's almost like it's almost like if there's two guys, two people running up a hill, like I'm going to give a little more respect to the dude carrying a backpack filled with sand. It's like the underdog, right? I want to I want to get down with the place that has to try harder just to be equal, but then in the end goes ahead and wins. That's the story I like. I like when the Monday qualifier gets in, makes the cut and just grinds. You know what I mean? And shoots like 70 on Sunday. That's what I like. I like that shit. I don't like when the favorite comes in and just like glides to like, you know, driver wedge, driver wedge, driver wedge. DJ, I think you're great. I think you're an inspiration. I love the way you hit the ball. Literally makes me go cross-eyed, but you know. So number one, par. Don't worry. This is not going to be that long of a podcast. I got to go to bed. Um, Hint, it's Sunday night. But it's Monday morning for you because there's no way for you to listen to this until Monday morning. It's impossible. Um, happy Monday. Back to the lecture. Back to the lecture at hand. C-O-M-P-T-O-N. No, I'm kidding. Um, so you just go through national. It's confusing as hell, man. Like it's so crazy. There's golf everywhere. The third tee box. I was like, where are we going? Like, I don't even know. Like there's golf everywhere. The third tee was a moment for me, man. Cause the second one is the Alps green, which is basically like, I don't even know what it is. I got to learn way more. I think it's Prestwick, but it basically goes like high on the right side to the low on the left side. And there's like a little ridge. The green is blind. You have no idea where you're aiming at. I drove my ball over a bunker. They couldn't told me to get to. That's how good I was rolling the driver, like swinging the club. I was playing really well. I was like really pumped. I had a feeling like today was my day. Par on number one, even par going to the second hole. Make a bogey on two. Who cares? I'm all good. It was a good bogey. I hit every shot well. You know what I mean? I was a little offline with my, uh, no, wait, maybe I made, maybe I part number two. I can't remember. Three, crazy little par three, right? Like 
you know, and here's Coleman just being a legend. Like Coleman did this thing that just cracked me up that I'm definitely going to steal. <laughs> like, he would hit his tee shot and he'd be like, he would look at his young little caddy, Jack, and he'd be like, Jack, talk to it. Talk to it, Jack, get down. And it just cracked me up because, you know, it's humorous. And so we go and um, we just continue playing, man. And this course is just like wild and untamed and big and unusual. And it's all based on educational aspects of golf from Scotland, which is obviously the home of golf. Man, I'm so excited to get there. If you're listening to this and you're in Scotland, just recognize, just hit me up when I'm there. You know what I mean? We're going to just make it happen. Like, I'm not going to make any plans, period. I'm just going to hook up with people when we get there. We're going to hang out. If you can play golf, great. If you want to play golf but I can't make room, I'm sorry. We'll figure it out. We'll hang out afterwards. You just got flexibility is key, right, in golf and in life. So we're going uh, and we keep playing, and then uh, eighth fairway, the horn blows again. And they're like, you know, I'm like looking around. I'm like, there's no lightning. Coleman's like, there's no lightning. The caddies are like, ah, I want to go in. But we go, and we still play a hole and a half. And, um, you know, it's it's just getting wild out there. And the ninth and 10th, right, that takes you all the way out to the farthest corner of the property. I actually measured it on Google Maps. We were about a little a little what was it i think it was a little over a mile and a half away from the clubhouse um and it's like a 30 minute walk (laughs) you know what i mean like we were fucking far and someone mentioned when i most when i said that someone said it's true links out and back that's rad man that's like pebble that's like askernish that's like old course i haven't played a lot of course that's north barrack you know you're out there man you are so far away that they have a little shack that you can go in that's got like four little tables inside, two little tables outside on a patio. It is so unassuming. The bathroom I went in, and it smelled like summer camp, like quite literally. I don't know what it was, if it was the wood or some of the dust or some of the age. I mean, aged wood, right? Don't they make whiskey out of that, right? I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know, but I went in there, and I had like literally had a flashback to like being 13 again. And everybody was so nice, right? Everybody was so nice. Whether it was a caddy, a greenskeeper, a member, grounds crew, caddy master, starter, locker room guy, guy in the restaurant, and the other members, right? So we're in this halfway house, and I looked around, and I realized all the logos are Scottish courses, right? All these members are just taking a deep level of respect to the origin of the game. It's not. It's not that logo bingo. It's not. It's not Shinnecock. It's not. Uh, I mean, Shinnecock's great, but you know what I mean. It's. It's not those. It's not the five. The five horsemen, right? Augustus, Cypress, Seminole. What are the other ones? Pine Valley, obviously. You know, but it's not. It's not that elite logo game. It's the original logo game. It's the legit story of golf, and that's what everybody there seems to care the most about, which is hard to find. Um, on earth, straight up, especially hard to find, uh, around a place like the Hamptons. I don't know. I haven't really played many courses in the Hamptons. Actually, that's not true anymore, but (laughs) you know what I mean? There's always more to go. Like I, I don't, I can't comment squarely on all of it, but so we're in there and we're chilling and this, this, yeah, they got all these young caddies around it. It's like all these like 13 year old caddies that are just like wide eyed, you know? And this, this one old caddy. Is talking in this one old cat. He's like six eight. He's got a knee brace. He's got gray hair, a beard, red face, and he's like a caddy on the Champions Tour. And the kid's like, 
that's cool. Who do you caddy for? And he's like talking and talking. And he's like, yeah, he's got to go back to Q school. And the kid's like, what's Q school? And the guy's like, Q qualifying school. And the kid's like, what's qualifying school? And he's just like, they're all wide-eyed and just like excited to learn, you know? And that was what's so cool about Tyler, man. Tyler like works there, but they let him like be a part of the experience. Whereas like, I know a lot of courses that are like that, like where they don't, it doesn't happen. They don't, they don't like let you, they don't like let you mix with the, with the juice of the sauce. What? Oh man, I am, I hope this isn't just a huge waste of time and you're just already turned this off. But if you haven't, then you're still here. Um, so, you know, we're in this, we're in this turn stand, this halfway house that's like, by all means, it's like walking into, uh, did you hear that? The doorbell? It was like walking into, hang on one sec. It was like walking into a um, like a movie set or like a movie itself. It was cool. Sorry, moving the mic. I apologize. And um, yeah, we spent like a fucking hour in there, and we just started talking with people and hanging out and talking about North Berwick. This kid was like fifteen; he's a plus one. Just talking to him about his golf game, talking to the bartender, talking to the other caddies, and then and then this group of kids goes out and they're like, "We're playing." And, like, all of the horns from all the clubs nearby are going off. Like, Shinnecock, Sabonic, National, Atlantic. All the horns are going off. Atlantic's not nearby. Never mind. That's wrong. But you, you're just hearing horns. And just, like, you're just, like, what is going on? And then, finally, we're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to go play. We didn't have any idea whether or not it was safe. But it didn't seem like there was lightning around, which was the crazy thing. So we get back on 10. We're joined with another guy who's, like, trying to qualify in some event. He was taking it pretty serious, and we thought he was going to harsh the vibe, but actually he was just a legend, and he was actually playing some pretty good golf. He went like birdie, birdie, birdie or something. Wild swing, though. I mean, he looked like he was like, he looked like he was electrocuted. Um, and we just, I don't know, like, I, I can't, like, comment on the course from an architectural perspective because I'm not, I'm an idiot when it comes to that stuff. Like, I get all confused. Like, Beeritz, Alps, I don't know. I don't know. Redan, I don't really know. The point is, the course is interesting. It's simple, right? You look out and you're like, oh, but then when you actually look out, you see that it's actually it's actually like kind of complicated. Like you can see a lot. The 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 entire concept of the place is it's template holes from all over Scotland that C B McDonald went there and learned about. And he brought that back to America. And that's why when you look it up, it's like the idea is that this was the like first like true links experience and i don't know i mean from a historical perspective that's really 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 valuable in a sense we have a time capsule right 1911 right like i mean people were literally riding horses to this fucking place people were you know like doing they were not on they they were they were living in a different world golf was exciting and amazing and new and cool and and at that time 1911 i mean i wish i wish i knew more you know what fuck it i gotta interview another historian i'm gonna find somebody hopefully in scotland we can find somebody if you got any recommendations i i, I love all your recommendations. you know what? i'm gonna get some questions but we got any um recommendations about people to interview the podcast especially when you do with the history i would love that i might even hit up andy and see if we can do one about national because it's just like i said it hits me on all levels. When you walk into the clubhouse to go to the locker room, you walk through like literally like a like a bomb shelter hallway and it just goes on forever. And then there's a little sign that says locker room and you walk over there. 
we had lunch and the waiter at lunch was so funny and like so everyone was so nice again and they have little rooms upstairs and you can stay there and I don't know man it just felt like a golf course through and through like they weren't fucking around with any other priorities and uh you know we go back out there and play we play like four holes five holes and then the horn blows again and by the time the horn blew that that massive dark cloud up off the sound was very close to us and I was like that actually looks kind of scary to be totally honest with you to be walking around with some metal sticks so we did leave the course not before taking that photo that we took with with uh, with um, Tyler and Coleman that was a great photo but yeah I mean it was just it was it was great I'm not doing it justice to be honest with you like I can't put into words what it was it was a feeling right it was a smell it was visual you know a podcast is not a great place for me to talk to you about something that I enjoyed it's hard to you know I'm also disorganized. I didn't take any notes. I didn't take any photos. I barely even pulled. I finally pulled out my video camera, the little Sony vlog camera, just because I felt like I had to record it. A double rainbow came out. I mean, it was nuts. Um, but like, you know, I just, I just was, I just was, I was having a hard time actually digesting this much information, right? Whether it was the line of the hole, the information about the hole, the beauty of the place, my my wonderful connection with this guy Coleman, whom I had just met. You know, I just didn't I didn't want to add anything else and potentially ruin the mix. So I just did it, you know, and I was kind of like, I'm just going to be selfish right now. I'm just going to do this. Like, I'm just going to hang. Um, so that was my week in golf. Oh, oh, Sleepy Hollow. I mean, get the fuck out of here. That place is incredible. Played with Tom Coyne over at Sleepy Hollow. He wrote uh, The Legend. <laughs> Whoa. He wrote um, uh, a course called Scotland. So, so we did a podcast up there. Oh man, did a great podcast with John O'Hurley Friday morning before heading out east. And uh, you know, John O'Hurley is um, is Jay Peterman from Seinfeld, and that guy is a legend. He's very, very funny and very inspiring. So I'm looking forward to uh, sharing that all with you soon. I don't know when that'll happen, but I'm gonna dig over here into my little uh, file of questions. I keep it pretty organized slightly. Let's see. Uh, do these questions make sense? Whoa. It's a long question. This is old. I, I hope I... I don't know if I answer this. Um, if I did, if I answer this already, I'm sorry, I'm an asshole, but I'll make sure I don't answer it three times. Hey, Eric, the pod's been great. And I can't wait for the new season of AIG. I did get news about when that season's going to come out. And I don't want to say the date because I don't want you to be pissed when it's not that date because it might change. But I am going to say that it's way before Halloween. How's that? Done. It might be out before, quote, way before Halloween, but we'll see. Uh, also, making moves. Yeah, da, da, da. nice. Can't wait to see. Uh, anyway, this is my third season playing golf. I've kept track of all my rounds since day one through 56 rounds. Holy shit. Each stroke, fairway and regulation, green and regulation, and putts. I figured it would be a good way to gauge my improvement, and it has. My issue is with gimmies. While I realize I'm not on the PGA Tour, I want an accurate assessment and a real handicap. I don't ever take a gimme unless it's on a putt that's just missed and needs a tap in. But it seems like a majority of players just want to hand gimmies out. They seem to get further each time. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. I fucking hate gimmies. Then the gimmies translate on their handicap. 
I never say anything to each his own, but I just don't get it. I believe that half of the gimmies inside the leather will be missed by amateurs. You're probably right. Not to mention, you aren't going to get better. What's your feeling on the golf gimme? In fishing, that would be like saying you caught the 100-pound tuna, but it got away in the water. All right, that's, that's a good point. You didn't fucking catch the t- I like this guy. You didn't fucking catch the tuna. My question is this. How can you have a real handicap if you're taking free shots? Granted, a false lower handicap doesn't even help. I don't get why golfers do this. The worst is when I'm offered a gimme and I say, I don't take gimmies. Now I'm not part of the club. Is there a non-douchey way to say that I prefer to putt out? And if I'm playing other people that take gimmies, what's the point of a handicap then? Okay, I'm done. I feel a little better venting about this. Bottom line, I guess to each his own. This guy thinks free strokes is against the challenge of the game. You're right. You're fucking right. Listen, uh, you're right to each his own. You're right. It's sort of against the challenge of the game, but like, I don't know. I mean, I go both ways. Like I have played some competitive rounds and you just got to put it out. So is there a non-douchey way to say that you don't take him? Yeah, I mean, saying you don't take gimmies is sort of like saying, I'm not accepting what you're offering to me, right? So you got to like dial it back a little bit and be like, Oh, thanks, man. Let me just put, let me just, let me just practice really quick. I think maybe that's the way you say it. Cause you're not trying to get principled, right? Cause in a way saying, I don't take gimmies, that almost gets borderline douchey. Like if, I've never heard anyone say that in a round, like I don't take gimmies, like, okay, fine. Don't take the gimme. Cause by the way, they don't give a shit. And that's the real lesson in all of golf. Nobody gives a shit about you. They, when they're saying is that's good. They're just saying, I don't want to wait any longer. So if you can get it in quick, great. If you're playing with people that you know, just say, hey, guess what? You, you definitely don't need to walk over to the first tee box and say, hey, everybody, don't you dare give me a putt. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Just just putt out and just do it. And then if they say that was good, then you just say, thanks. I just needed to prove it to myself because I'm practicing for a tournament. That's what you do. And, yeah, I mean, if there's a group in front of you and you're just button up against them, like, don't worry about playing faster. Just do your fucking putt, you know? Or you could get funny about it. Be like, I'm pretending to be Tiger Woods. I'm pretending to, I'm pretending to really care. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's weird that, like, you take a gimme and, you're, and you got a par, but really from four and a half feet with a little break and some grass in the way and the mental side of those putts, yeah, you, you might have made a five. So what's the point? I agree with you, kid. You're a fucking legend. Next. Uh, okay. I, I cropped out the first part of this, but the second part says, I've taken that with me over to the game of golf. <laughs> what? I should have read this. Oh, here's the question. I really like the philosophy of Zen golf, but I've noticed that when I play golf and I follow the Zen golf philosophy, I really don't care. I don't care about the score. I don't give myself a hard time, and I don't have the passion. How did you both be Zen and still feel like it matters, or still feel the passion? Well, I'm curious to know how long ago did you read Zen Golf? Because, dude, life is all about up and down, zeb, ebb and flow, yin and yang, time, right? Time changes all things. So you might be in that place now, but you're not going to be there forever. I mean, I'll tell you how to get the passion back. Put some fucking money on the line. Put a hundred bucks down on stroke play. See how you do. <laughs> You're going to get pissed when you push one. You know, I mean, that's what you do. You just, you just make it count, you know, but then Zen golf and all golf, even without Zen, whether you know it or not, golf is all about self observation and self awareness. Oh, wow. I really wanted to throw the club there. That's anger. 
I'm really angry because I wanted something that I didn't get. Oh, wow. I'm kind of walking myself into like a sulky bitch spot. Wow, that's because I'm telling myself that I shouldn't even be out here paying to play a game that I don't have to play. That's interesting. Look at me. I'm literally happy now because I put the ball in the hole in fewer strokes than I did last time. Huh. Look at me. I'm hitching up my shirt sleeve like I see them do on TV. Golf is all about that, right? Golf is all about the quiet experience of being with yourself. And luckily, other people come with us and we get to experience ourselves together. So reading Zen Golf will infinitely change your golf game, I would imagine, for the better. And when you say the passion is gone, I guess I'm curious to know how you define the word passion because passion... It means a lot of things, right? Does does passion mean anger? Does passion mean love? Does passion mean just feeling in general? There is some truth, right, to the idea when you begin meditating, you start to relate to your feelings differently. And I did sort of think, well, if I keep meditating, am I just going to turn into nothing? Well, that's not true. That doesn't happen. In fact, the more you meditate, the more you learn what nothing is, and therefore you learn to place meaning on the moments that you're here. And you get to experience things directly, uh, whether that is the flight of a ball, the smile of a dog, the quake of a leaf, the touch of a lover's hand, whatever that is, right? You, You get to be there with all of that and experience the feeling that arises rather than that kind of murky fucking background feeling that's just coming out of your head not that so i would say just keep playing you know and and if you really just want to get some energy if, you, if you're really just having if you're bored just throw throw 100 bucks down and see how you feel that'll change it um i know i got some other questions i mean i got a question in my email hang on i got one more oh my god we're going on we go now and here we go questions for the podcast I haven't read this yet. We're going to see. Hey, guys, I was wondering if you could cover a couple questions. A couple questions. Could you do a serious what's in the bag for Eric? Eric has talked to... I'm going to do that later. I'm going to do a video. Could you talk about the Seamus Hawaiian carry bag? These are all products. How heavy is it, and do you carry a full set of clubs in it? All right. Akbar's bag is... I don't know how heavy. Uh, it's pretty light. <laughs> and it's definitely lighter than most people's bags. Uh, it works better without a full set. It's it's hard to put a full set in there. Like if you put 14 clubs, they're always getting jammed. The grips are getting jammed. It's it's not big enough. So I like for like today actually I pulled a lot of clubs out and I just played with seven at ferry. But you know, anyway, yeah, just it's not going to take a full set. Do you carry clubs and walk all the time? I mostly carry, right? Because I just I don't know. I want to walk. I like walking. I like that time. I like I like experiencing that space from green to tea. I don't like being in the cart and hearing it go. Rah, I don't like having a bunch of shit in the glove box of the cart. I don't like amassing a bunch of trash and putting it in that little basket behind my back. I don't like potentially losing my rangefinder on the seat. And I don't like potentially like just missing shit, you know? Uh, that said, if it's really hot and I'm playing like more than 18 or if I'm playing like for score or something or whatever, like 
I would consider taking a card. I'm not black or white. I don't really care. You know, Coleman said it best at National. He was like, I like to get out here and play 18. And then I like to jump in a cart and fucking play as much as I can after that. And I was like, respect, dude. That's that's what I like. I like that. You know what I mean? Like, carts are helpful, man. You know, like, especially at National, you, you're not going to go play nine. You're not going to go. You're going to be a mile and a half away from the clubhouse. You can spend 30 minutes walking back. So, you know, it makes sense there to take a cart. Um, all right. Yeah. Good question, man. Thank you. Thank you, uh, John. Um, listener question for the podcast. Here we go. Hello, Eric. It was the last round of a decent golf trip. By this time, we were just a twosome out for a morning round. I guess we're, I don't know what this is we're being described. Um, before, before I drove my buddy to the airport, we were at a cart-only golf course and were matched up with a single on the first tee. As he pulls up in his cart, it becomes obvious that he is a Bluetooth speaker going in his cart and he's listening to music at a volume that is audible to anyone in nearby proximity. Under normal circumstances, I would have asked him to please turn off the music, but I had just come off a sleepless night and I was basically exhausted piece of meat. I can relate. Lacking general enthusiasm, I didn't have it in me to start a conversation that I didn't know where it would finish. But I know I didn't sign up to listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers at 7.30 on this beautiful summer morning. So I was wondering, what is your view on Bluetooth speakers on golf courses? Over the last few years, I've encountered Bluetooth speakers on golf courses, but from only from other groups somewhere else on the course, never in my group. This is at otherwise super quiet, lovely links here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm talking about top 50 in America. Sick. You talking about band and player? Um, this is in well, otherwise is an outdoor experience. huh? Can you imagine this at St. Andrews? Personally, I cannot stand this friend trend. I have comments to management at these places that they should get out in front of this and develop policies about it, but have not heard it happening anymore. So I am a stodgy old timer. So am I a stodgy old timer? We should just get over it. Does anyone else despise this? What do you think? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Look, I love music on the course. <laughs> that said, I, I love it only if everybody loves it. You know, I've never, I would always ask, I would, I would say, do you mind if I play music? And if you do, then the guy should listen to headphones, you know? It's a fucking game, right? We play we, we play it with people. You, you can't do something that's going to offend a bunch of people. Like, that's not right. And you should keep it at a volume that makes sense. I mean, you know, but but that said, I, I love music. Like, today when we played, I was like, oh, where's the music? I forgot. I do love it, you know, but that's that's more of a group thing, you know? Like, like to be a single and just roll up to, like, another two or threesome and just be rocking music, like, that's a little bold. That person should ask, you know, generally, just as far as like, you know, there should be a new, uh, not, I don't think there should be a rule on it because, oh God, we've got enough rules. Like there's a book of them. There's got decimal points and letters, 5.1 AB, no, uh, slow jazz. What? But I like slow jazz. Sorry, sir. No slow jazz. Uh, Wynton Marsalis. No, that's okay. You can listen to that. Um, you know, but, but yeah, you just, I mean, that's, you just, and if you don't like it, it's on you, man. You got to address it. You got to say, look, bro, I don't want to listen to music. Do you have headphones? I mean, I paid. I paid the same price as you. And um, you can listen to headphones. It, then you got to be prepared for him to say no. And <laughs> you got to cover your ass to make sure you have a good time. So, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to... Take, are you gonna wait? How long are you gonna wait to not play with the dude? Now, that said, I've always found the best way to approach things like that is to say something like, Hey, can you help me? Right? I need your help. 
I'm I'm actually not having fun because of the music, right? That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is, hey, if we're going to listen to music, can we at least agree on the artist? I'm not a big uh, RHCP fan. I, I personally like the Chili Peppers, but, you know, whatever. I can see why you don't like them. Maybe for you, the Chili Peppers is like you two for me. Uh, can we at least agree on some music? Now, the last option would be for you to pack in your bag some noise-canceling headphones and some earplugs, and you combine those two together, and you cannot hear anything. You also, quite dangerously, can't hear anyone yell for. So I don't know, man. I mean, I had one thing where I played with a guy at my home course. He's actually a really good friend of mine. I don't know why he was being a dick that day, but like... On 13, I pulled out my speaker and I started playing music. And it was funny because I was playing with him and his, um, I don't know, it wasn't his brother. It was like his brother-in-law or like his some, someone, uncle, nephew, cousin. And I pulled out some music and he and I were like jamming. I was playing like Green Day and it was at Wilshire. So like I paid my fucking dues. And he goes, turn the music off. And I was like, what? No. It's like, whatever, dude. It's like the afternoon. Just chill out. And he was like, turn the music off. And he was definitely a dick about it. And I was kind of like, that's weird. Like, just relax. Or like, I don't know. Like, I didn't want to turn the music off. But in the end, I did. You know, like, I was like, okay, man. Like, it's you're not having fun. Like, but it was like an afternoon round. It wasn't even clear we were going to finish. But yeah, a lot of times I play music. I like it. It's just sort of like, makes it fun. You know what I mean? It makes it, makes it like, I get that you're in nature and you want to experience that. And I think there's a time for both. Just the same with the golf cart question. You know, there's a time for both. All right, everybody. I'm fucking beat. Oh, my back, my back, my dog, my feet. You know, when you're so, you know, when you walk a lot of golf and you wake up in the morning and your feet feel like fried marshmallows, that's the way they feel these days. Um, all right. Well, we're going to have a great interview coming at you this Thursday. I don't know who it's going to be, but it'll be exciting, and um, yeah, I get back to LA on Thursday or Friday. I'm not really sure yet, and then I think I leave a week later for the Scotland. I'm pretty excited. All right, have a great week, y'all. Enjoy the game. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> 